share with me and get to know me. Working within it so that you can trust You gotta them. be able to produce things. Okay. And I'll tell you why that production is so important. But before we know that, how do you use those two pieces of equipment? And you- success is not necessarily financial, but success is when you feel fulfilled in what you're doing. And then to other women, they need to know their value, their worth. But, but I believe um, everything that you put your mind to and you achieve is success. Give us um, all the stuff. Okay, I'll answer all 16 of those questions right now. I started uh, in the music business at Sony while I was still... Renee Hastings, and I'm your host of Renee Speaks. Y'all, today's guest is truly a treat. I cannot wait to introduce you. She is a mother of four children with multiple food allergies, and she found herself on a unique path that would lead to incredible innovation. Back in 2004, she started cooking allergen-free Next, to ensure that her kids never felt out of place or excluded at schools or parties or social events. She was determined to offer snacks that were both safe and delicious. She created treats that resembled what everyone else was enjoying, but were free from allergens. This determination and love for her children fueled her journey, which culminated in the birth of Safely Delicious in 2015. She's the driving force behind the research, development, production, sales, marketing, and the overall strategic direction of the business. With a diverse educational background spanning fine arts, sociology, and women's entrepreneurship, She brings a unique perspective to her role. Her efforts haven't gone unnoticed as she's been honored with various recognitions and awards, including the 2021 Her Impact Pitch Competition Early Stage Business Winner and the 2020 Nova Award. Y'all, please put your hands together for my friend and guest, Lisa. Hello, Renee. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm fabulous now. I am too. This is awesome. Thank you for having me and inviting me to be part of your podcast. Absolutely. It is my pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so thrilled. And as we were just chatting back in the background that, you know, that's our secret conversation that we get to have when the guests before we go live or go uh, start recording. I have been looking for a product like yours for forever, like forever, ever. And so I am so excited to learn more about you, your journey, how this all started. I know you have children who have have allergies. 
And I just want to know all the things, like what you had to go through. Tell us about your whole journey. Oh my, and we'll try to give it the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> but um, but um, I, as you mentioned, I have four children. And so child number three, my son, when he was 18 months old, he kept having all of these GI issues. And even prior to that, when I was nursing them, I was noticing just that like they would, they wouldn't feel good or they'd have issues if I ate something or drank some whatever. Didn't really put it all together until he was 18 months old and really had some serious GI things happening. So get him mm -hmm. tested and come to find out. I knew he was sensitive to dairy. So I was like, okay, find out, you know, it turns out because I was giving him rice milk and soy milk and rice products and soy products, that's where it turned out he was allergic to soy. And I was like, oh, wow. So then, but from doing, when they did the blood work, it came back, he was allergic to peanut also. Well, I hadn't given him peanut yet. So that was kind of like, I was glad we knew that and found that out early on. But it was, when that happened for me, that was in 2004, it was, uh, I didn't really know many people who had children or family members with food allergies. I personally didn't, you know, there wasn't anybody in my family that I was aware of that had allergies. I remember the first couple of days feeling extremely overwhelmed by the diagnosis because then I start going, okay, no problem. We'll just avoid soy. Soy and peanut, peanut hasn't been an issue yet, but we'll avoid soy. We'd already been avoiding dairy. Again, not a big deal. My house was mostly dairy free. But then I started going and you start reading labels and I'm looking at everything in my pantry and everything in the refrigerator and the freezer and no joke, three fourths of the food we had soy or some type of soy byproduct. And I just remember sitting on the floor in my kitchen pantry. I literally just sat there and just bust out crying. I, I felt so sad and overwhelmed at the same time. Like I felt sad because I was just like, oh gosh, what am I going to feed this child? Like what I, I just didn't know. Like, oh, okay, if this is in most of the food, this is the only food I've ever known that I've eaten, my kids have eaten. So that's what initiated my journey of having to become very uh, vigilant of looking at every, like going to the grocery store was a field trip. It was like a two to three hour. It wasn't just running and grab stuff anymore. It was literally, I had to figure out how to replace almost everything that we were eating that was, that needed to be soy free plus dairy free. Cause I was already doing that. And so started doing that with him. And then a couple years later, um, my youngest, when he was probably around, um, I want to say 14 months old, 16 months old. I knew again with him just from issues when he was nursing, like I knew, okay, he can't eat dairy and I knew he was sensitive to wheat and, you know, cause he'd have skin issues. Like I knew there were some issues going on with him. And then, um, so same thing, I'm giving him dairy free things and, you know, trying to be all vigilant about this with him. And I had given him, um, I had made, I think it was like some ground beef and I had mixed into it some, um, some cheese product and it was made with cashews, dairy free, but I'm like, so it was made with cashews. And so he's like feeding it to himself with using his hands, whatever. And all of a sudden he starts breaking out in hives, starts vomiting. And I'm just like, and I'm like freaked out. I'm like, oh my God. And so I'm like trying to figure out what, what is it? My ex-husband, his dad at the time was like, you know, we're trying to help him. And I'm trying to figure out the ingredients on the food I just fed him. Like, what could it be? And so we called the doctor and they're like, okay, give him Benadryl, watch, wait and see. Don't take him to the hospital. He was just this whole, like, I didn't have this with Brennan, but it's like, okay, now with Spencer, but he had a reaction. So it turned wow. out we did work on him and he was allergic to the cashews, the tree nuts. And the test also showed he was allergic to the peanut. And then, he did, but then I was, after that whole experience, 
I want to say when he was probably around 18 months old, again, I was noticing that he was, um, there was just from when he was very little, there were a lot of foods, foods that little babies normally would eat that he was always gagging up, throwing, like he just wasn't tolerant. So then um, a food allergy test. So typically people will do an IG, uh, IGE test. And when they're checking for allergies, for food allergies. And I always think of that E is like EpiPen. Like if you are allergic to peanut or tree nut, you're going to need an EpiPen. You can, you know, the IgE test kind of, you know, that's how those are connected. That's my thinking. That's usually what that means. The I, there's another test called an IgG. The JAT one, I think of that G, that second G, gut. Like you could have a reaction anywhere from 24 to 48 hours after you've eaten or drank something and it's still a reaction it's still it's an intolerance in the medical world they won't say oh it's an allergy but it is because your body is having an it's having its own type of allergic reaction if you will and so with spencer i actually went and did an igg i did with all the kids i did an igg food panel i think it was 96 foods that were tested and it was like garlic was on there it was fruits and vegetables and you name it, like 96 different items. And then the tests that we used or did, it came back with results that were scored on a basis of zero to six. Now there's some tests that will do zero to three. The one we did was a zero to six. And so when I get the results back from Spencer, I, again, I felt like I was having this deja vu moment like I had with Ronan years before because literally more than half of those foods on there were four, fives or sixes for Spencer. Like, I, I mean, I had gotten to where I actually created like this little, uh, it was like a little mini notebook, if you will. And I had a page because I did it on all the kids. So then all of a sudden I realized, okay, why like my two older kids, they were having issues weren't as severe or serious. But when I started taking out some of those ingredients that maybe were that four five or six, how mm-hmm. we're improving behavior issues, were improving GI, other little subtle things were improving with all the kids. So it was mm-hmm. like, I had a notebook and there was a page for every kid and it listed exactly like what they could eat. And then there were, and then I had some, and then there was one page that actually had all four kids and it had, it had, it was a short list of what everybody could eat. So it's like, we were going out to eat. This is what everyone can eat. Only if I'm making a meal, it's going to, and everybody can eat this if I use these ingredients and everybody's good. So, um, hey, oh my. it was crazy. So, so that was kind of, you know, again, so with Spencer, it was like a bigger journey now because now it's even more. So, you know, egg was on there. So we, going back to that beginning for me, there was, it was, we were allergic to the dairy and the gluten, wheat products and that stuff. Egg got, mm-hmm. egg got added in soy and then we had peanut and tree nut. So six of the top eight, my kids could not eat. Um, wow. And so, yeah, so that was back then the only brand that existed when we were first getting into this world of allergen free food was Enjoy Life Foods. They had just come on in the market a, a couple of years beforehand and they had some delicious snacks. And so that was a little blessing to kind of have, but I started to, it's like, but that there weren't any, a whole lot of other options. So as you okay. shared in the opening, I started just kind of looking at, okay, what are kids eating when my kids are going to these social events and going to birthday parties or things at school and I'm needing to send them with stuff. And it's like, I'm sorry, but the, the solution used to, oh, here's a piece of licorice while everybody else is eating everything else that's really tasty, sweet, chocolatey, very dessert-like, 
versus a piece of licorice. I mean, that was typically what they would do. They'd give them a piece of licorice or Skittles or something that looked and tasted. It, it had nothing to do with what the actual snack was that everybody else was eating. Right. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, wow. so that was kind of the beginning of figuring out what I could do differently so that they could feel included. And then I was meeting other families and kids who also had food allergies. So then like my, my snack, my, which one is this little guy right here? My classic bite. This was the original one that I started making. It looks, people will say it is reminiscent of the Muddy Buddies or Puppy Chow except it doesn't have any of the allergens in it. It's a toasted rice cereal piece. It's got all the chocolate, but it has a peanut butter-like ingredient, but it's no nuts um, mm -hmm. and buttery liking, but it's no but like, so I just basically looked and figured out like, okay, these were all the ingredients I was using individually to replace other ingredients. And then as I started looking at what kids were eating overall as snacks, started figuring out like how to create recipes put bringing things together like that. And so, yeah, so the, the safely that classic bites mm -hmm. been making, making that for a very long time before it turned into being my product that started all of this. So yeah. Wow. Wow. What an, an incredible story. And I'm sure that, you know, learning that your uh, youngest son had all these food allergies was probably the pivotal, pivotal turning point in right you know, everything, like something's got to be different. Some, right. And I can relate so well to your story. Um, there's a place here where I'm from in Atlanta called Progressive Medical Center. And there mm -hmm. are a lot of naturopaths there and they test for everything you can think of. And so mm -hmm. they have these uh, food allergy tests that they give you when you come in with complaints about different things. You might never even associate a food allergy with some major medical complaint that you have, but because right. of the food that yeah. you're having all of these issues, even as an adult. And yes. so I, I took one of those tests it was by uh, no fun by any means or uh, any stretch of the imagination, um, but it came back so revealing that mm -hmm. I had all of these um, immediate food allergies but then when you were talking about the delayed onset allergies, like mm -hmm. I, I could have an egg today and it not affect me until Saturday or Sunday. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like two whole days. I've eaten this thing two days ago and two right. days later, it's going to now make me itch and scratch or I have an upset right. stomach or whatever. Right. I'm like, what in the world? I had never heard of such a thing before I went to this place. And now to hear you talk about it, I'm like, this is a real thing. Like other people it's really suffer from this. And what's unfortunate is that the IgG test is, it's a valid test. It is extremely revealing and can answer so many questions that people are having. But because um, I learned this years ago. Most insurance companies don't pay for the IgG test because it's considered experimental and a few other words that they used with me when I inquired a, decades ago about getting it covered by insurance. And um, I had asked a pediatrician friend that I knew who was a big proponent for the IgG testing. And he would, you know, that was something he definitely did with all of his pediatric patients and stuff and saw huge value. Like it was very helpful for him with his practice and taking care of his patients. And he said, because the one of the big reasons why is because it's not taught in medical schools to so the American Academy of Pediatrics 
and the insurance, like it's been not recognized as a valid form of, I guess, assessing people health-wise because it's not taught in medical school. So because it's not taught as a standard practice, then it's considered then it's considered experimental with the insurance companies. And I was like, how do we change that? I don't know how you change that, but that go to the, the medical board and be like, hey, I need you guys to change your uh but it's amazing though that so many people, you know, when I share that part of my story or somebody will tell me things that they're experiencing or whatever, and I will tell them about IgG in addition to IgE. And, and they'll go to a chiropractor or a naturopath or they'll find, you could even order these tests online and then take it to a lab and have it done yourself if you want it to. And wow. like you said, it's very revealing. Like it can hugely improve a person's quality of life, having yes. that information and making a few changes in their diet. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Um, I could not agree more and I'm like living proof. <laughs> but, I know my kids so. too. There's lots of people that are living proof. That yeah. if anybody watching or listening is any of the things we're talking about, it is a valid, it is a good test. Definitely yeah. worth the, in, in looking into and considering it if you're struggling with trying to figure out what's going on. Right, right. I'm trying to figure out why does my stomach hurt after I eat this or, or whatever. I mean, there's so exactly. many different things. Why does my head itch or what my, why does my skin itch or just all the... Or my joints ache. Like exactly. I, if I eat dairy anymore, it's one of those things I've like, as I've gotten older, dairy, I always jokingly say dairy does not like me anymore. Like it used to not like me, but now it like literally hates me to where it used to be. Okay. I wouldn't feel good the next day. Now it's literally like, if I go to Starbucks and get a coffee drink and I'm like, I need coconut milk and they mess up and put dairy cow's milk in the thing within 20 minutes, my stomach's going. Rawr. So yes. it's like, yes. I just, it, it knows it's so knows, yes. but I've been tested IgE and it's fine. There's nothing wrong. I have no allergies, but I'm like, Hey, on IgG, I am like at the top. I'm like, it's off the chart for me. Right. Right. And it's so weird that those tests don't talk to each other or like, you know, right. they don't cross. I'm like, how can it be on this one, but not on that one? Right. It doesn't make right. sense. Yeah. But, um, thank goodness for the IgG test. And, and I've yes. forgotten what it was even called. I just know that the, the, the test itself was <laughs> almost traumatic, but so yeah. worth it. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so as you're, you were growing this business, so you, you had this life experience, it prompted you to start a business mm -hmm. and you're the driving force behind it all, the research, mm -hmm. the development, the production, all of the marketing and all the things that it takes to build a successful business. How do you manage all the diverse aspects of the business while maintaining a super consistent brand identity? Oh my, what a great question. <laughs> Some days I manage it really well, really, really well. And in other days, it's just, it works. And some days it doesn't work. Right. It depends on what is the most important thing I might need to do for my business at that moment and where I'm putting all my attention to how I'm going to, like, is everything going to get a little bit equally? I'm going to be able to equally spread my time into all those different areas or it might be I'm spending more time on one thing. And then when I feel like it's in a good place, then I switch to something else. So um, I really don't have a good system, honestly, of how I think I, um, how do I say it? Like I manage it, but I, I'm not sure I could teach someone how to manage it other than 
I just go with it. From the moment I even started this business, like I, I feel it, I go with it. Like recently it was like, okay, I needed to do some changes with regards to like our different online platforms and was talking with my accountant about some financial things with the business and our sales. And I'm like, okay, so right now I'm going to work on that. And that's what we're going to focus on. And I need to get that taken care of. The marketing part, we used to have a pretty good sized team. And then as COVID happened and then post COVID, we've had our staff, if you will, has slowly declined like a lot of businesses. So I have found myself having some of those hats. Um, I used mm-hmm. to have other people would help me with like the social media stuff, the marketing, like initially when I started my business, when you're a solopreneur, you do you, at least for me, I taught myself and I figured out how to do all those different aspects of having a business. I just needed to. Um, but then as I was able to start hiring people to help do some of those things, some of those things came off my plate and I could spend more time focusing on other aspects of the business over the last few years, or I mean, the last couple of years. Some of that has fallen back more on my plate now. So like the social media marketing, that kind of stuff, we will have a lot of that going on really, really consistent. And then it'll be kind of quiet for a little bit because all of a sudden I'm having to work on something else and put all my energy into that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so managing it, <laughs> I think, um, you know, what do they say? It's like that whole idea of, I want the business to be seen and perceived as you know, I started this business to help people mm-hmm. and that is my driving force. My, my focus, my mission is to help people with food allergies. So when yeah. it comes to all those other parts of my business, how I manage all that, again, it goes back to is what I'm doing the most important thing I need to be doing right now so that I'm making sure I'm achieving what ultimately my mission is with why I started Safely Delicious. Right. Right. And that makes so much sense because you have to handle the most important things first. And right. like you've got with your accountant or your uh, finance person, and you had to deal with those things. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do for these numbers to make more sense? Right. So, and when you're doing that, that is definitely your focus. And you have to just keep the first things first, the most important things first. And while not, and while handling those first things, not forgetting why why you're doing these things. You are on a mission to help people with food allergies get better snacks in their lives so they can feel included in different activities and even though they can't eat all of the things that everyone else is eating. So I think that is just smart. That's just a smart business to to doing Mm -hmm. those things. And social media, while it is great, we love it. We um, at Executive Help Now, which is my business, we have social media managers who do these things and they're also admins and bookkeepers. And I mean, they're the, we have a whole team of folks who right. do these things, but these are services that are available to you whenever, you know, right. that you decide that you want to get back in and lighten your load a little bit, but right. not so much. It's not about us. It's about you and us helping you right. do what needs to be done. Because as a solopreneur or as an entrepreneur, because you do still have a team, it's not just you by yourself, the load can get heavy. Even with the team, it can get really, really heavy. And especially as a mom and as a Mm. wife and as a a business owner, that load gets so heavy, so heavy. I totally get it and totally understand it 100%. Um, and and balancing the demands of producing an amazing product without compromising quality, which I'm, right. I'm sure 
you know, is another thing that you have to deal with is how can we keep our product one of the most delicious that people continue to buy over and over and over again. Right. Absolutely. You know? One of the inspiring things for me with my business, you know, I, I keep going back to my kids, but the products that we have, we have different flavor, flavor options. Um, mm -hmm. They're all, they've all been kid tasted and kid approved. So it wasn't like, I was like, Oh, I think I, this sounds great. All four of my children, Connor, Elizabeth, Brennan, and Spencer, all four of them have at some point in the beginning of this journey made suggestions of what flavors they thought we should try and what they thought would be good. And then they were my, they were taste testers. And stuff. So when I, here's another part of the story. When I started Safely Delicious, um, I actually, I had gotten divorced in 2013 and I had been a stay-at-home mom for 17 years. So after I got divorced, I had to return to the workforce and I had gotten a job at one of our local church, one of our parishes locally. And I had mm -hmm. taken my snack to work, this, the classic bites, but back then I called mm -hmm. it yummy bites. Or I didn't even, it was just my snack. And I took mm -hmm. it to work to share with all the church ladies I worked with. And they all thought I bought it somewhere. And I told them the story and they were like, oh my gosh, you should sell it. And I had been praying about, okay, God, I love my church job, but I'm going to need to have another stream of income coming from some, maybe this is the answer. And so it, there was not a whole lot of, I'm going to think on it. I have a business plan. I got like all, like, it was one of those literally, they said, you should sell it. And I went, okay. And that same day I was online. I'm like, what should we call it? Like we ended up having like this, it, it was crazy. Like my boss, I think he was gone for the day, like off site for something. And so we're like all in the office instead of half working and half helping Lisa figure out like what I'm going to call it. Um, a friend of mine's telling me all about like where I can get like these little white um, bags, that little white coffee bags with the window. And it was just like safely delicious was okay. I like the name it's safe and it's delicious. And it was literally that like, straightforward. And so, but when I started the business, I was working full time. And so I'm doing this full time job Monday through Friday. I'm starting Safe Blue Delicious this evenings and weekends. I'm renting a space that's 45 minutes away after my first, I'm in business for a year and wanted to get it into retail. So now I'm like, okay, now I got to find a commercial space that's allergen free, that is safe to make it. And it's like 45 minutes away. And I'm driving there on evenings and weekends, lugging everything over in my pilot, making it, bringing it all, you know, started just kept doing that. And then we attended a trade show in 2017, the fancy food show in New York city. And it was crazy because it was there that we got discovered with one of the, um, management teams for um, one of our local grocery stores here in Kansas City, the Balls Food Stores people. Their management was in New York at the show. And they came by. There was an area of other Kansas businesses. We were all kind of in a, a group together and they tasted the snacks and loved them. And they were like, why have we heard about you? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of new and not really in retail yet. And they're like, well, we need to get you in our stores. And a couple of weeks later, I met with them and we were off to the races. And it was like, so I'm like trying to now, now I'm like, okay, going to my boss and be like, um, can I come in late or work late? Or work? Like, I got them to do, do deliveries. Like that's like a whole other part of my, and I am still doing it. I still do direct deliveries to 34 grocery stores for two different grocery store chains here in Kansas City and surrounding area. But I kept doing that for about, I want to say about a year. And then finally the business was starting to take off and I built out my own little commercial space. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take a leap of faith. I quit my job at the church. I put it all into this and here we go. And so <laughs> this is, you know, this is, we've been off to the races ever since growing and growing and growing. And, and, but when I worked at the church, 
whenever initially the classic bites was, that was the first product. And then the dark bites. So that's this little guy right here. Um, the dark bites product, it had, um, it's made with dark chocolate. And so originally the classic bites, we would use the semi-sweet chocolate. And so we were getting, again, back to how quick this just all went bang, bang. Okay, I'm going to do it. And then my mom, she's an entrepreneur and she makes these little religious fingertip towels. And there was going to be one of those like holiday church bazaars at my church coming up in two weeks. It was like in two weeks. And I call and tell her, I'm like, hey, I'm going to start this little business. And she's like, oh, well, come share my booth. You can sell your stuff at the booth. And I was like, okay. And so two days before the event, I'm like trying to figure out labels to put on the bags. I'm putting things in Ziploc bags. I'm putting ingredients in alphabetical order. Like I knew nothing. And, and my boyfriend's like, hey, why don't you try making that with dark chalk? I'm like, okay. So then that's how Dark Bites was born. It was like, oh, well dark bites with dark chocolate. So now I have like two products at this <laughs> church fair. And then I like coffee. So then I was like, I used to like to eat those chocolate bars with coffee in it. So then mm -hmm. I kind of made a recipe. And so there's like the mocha bites. Here's my little mocha bites. I'll show you guys the mocha bites. Here's the mocha bites. And mm. so just like coffee in a bit, like if you like coffee, you will love mocha bites. It's delicious. Wow. It smells like coffee. You know, it's, it's just, you open it up and you feel like you're opening up a bag of coffee. It's delicious. Wow. But anyway, so, so then I had those three and it was like, okay. And then my kids are like coming back with other ideas. So then as I started making up a, a variety of experimenting with a variety of recipes and a little research, developing, doing all that kind of stuff, I would take these big circle containers and I would make these batches of all these different versions and I would have them numbered. And they, so they're unmarked with numbers and I would take them to church or up to work. And so between all the church staff and, and then all the school staff, like literally about a hundred people I would get to taste and rate and rank all these. And that's, that was my focus group. That is how all of our products have come is the church focus group and my kids being like, you know, and, and it was, it was the best. I would do it again in a heartbeat. I think if I decide I want to come up with some more flavors, I'm going to show, show back up over at St. Michael's with, you know, some bins and be like, okay, guys. Everybody during your lunch break, kind of give me some feedback on these things. It's almost like your children. So you can't really say which one's my favorite because, you know, I like a lot of reasons, different reasons. If you're drinking red wine versus white wine or drinking coffee or, you know, a glass of milk, whatever. So, um, but lemony bites. So this one, a uh, funny story with this one, this one, the first time I made it, I was all excited. I thought, oh, it tastes like lemon bars. I'm so, oh, yum. This is awesome. And then I had my son Brennan, before I even took him to work, I had him taste it. And he was like, uh, he's the one who suggested doing the lemon. And so he tastes it and he's like, oh gosh, he goes, mm, because this tastes like soap. Oh no. <laughs> I am not looking for soap to be the aftertaste. That is a problem. So, <laughs> so I changed the recipe. I took it to work. I kid you not, I think I had to tweak that recipe four different times before we nailed it. Wow. Wow. That is so funny. And then the, and then the company that makes the chocolate for that one, because we use white chocolate. So the pumpkin bites and the lemony bites, we use white chocolate. Um, they changed their chocolate. Well, here was another big life learning moment. I have a recipe, but guess what? If they change an ingredient, the ingredient might taste different. It might change the taste of the recipe. Well, right. it did. Or you have an allergen in it. Exactly. It, 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 
they, they changed the ingredients in the white chocolate and I go to make it and it was so bad. It was so early that we kept, it, it smelled bad. It, it was so bad. Oh, and I'm like sending it to the, the owner of the chocolate company. I'm like, what's wrong? What did you do to your chocolate? Yeah. Like months. We find they, they were still tweaking some stuff on their end. We got it tweaked, but it was crazy. Like just how I had just mastered the flavor and now right. I got to remaster the flavor and tweak it and oh, change. I never even really thought about the fact that when your product is dependent on other suppliers and mm -hmm. they change their thing, mm -hmm. man, what an impact that has on your business. And, uh, you know, on this particular line. Oh, I yeah. It, it impacts there because then it also impacted packaging because now I have to change mm -hmm. the packaging because the ingredient list is different. The nutrition information yes. is different. Oh. I mean, it, it just, yeah. Or, or mm -hmm. we had a situation, our minty bites, one of the ingredients we were using, the company that we were getting it from, they'd been in business for decades. They just decided to close their doors. And it was like, okay, people tell you when you're in food, or I, I guess there might be in other industries, but with food, like you have your, like, I guess if you want to say there's always kind of like a backup plan, if you will. So it's like, okay, here's the main ingredients that we use every time to make this product. But on the slight chance, you know, that ingredient went away. Like, is there another one? Is there, you know, could you just, could you easily replace it? Maybe you do have to change nutrition, but you could replace it still with something similar, change your recipe, make it still work. Well, right. unfortunately, fortunate and unfortunately, in the allergen-free world, sometimes there's only one product. There's only one, like somebody figured out how to make that and make it a certain way. And that's it. I truly feel like, you know, we've been able to continue growing and being successful and continuing to be as a business. Some days I really do feel like God's hand is in this because especially during COVID and we were having supply supplier issues and like everybody was having is if one of our vendors, one of our companies, if they had closed down because of COVID there was a couple of companies that we are dependent on. If they had not made it through COVID, our business would have shut down. There wasn't a backup product we could have replaced it with. So where with the Minty Bites, it was like, eh, okay, well, now I'll just retweak the recipe. I was able to do something different and still make it smell and taste and be delicious like Minty Bites, but that required a package change. I had to change the packaging. So just and there's expense with that. There's expense with that. Yes, there is. Sometimes when you start a business, it is good and helpful to have like a broker or use like where I'm going with this is with packaging. Mm -hmm. okay. I did not know or understand early on um, the world of packaging. So when I needed to get packaging, when I was going to go to that fancy food show, I could not show up with white coffee bags with little windows. Like I needed the bags. I mean, this is probably the third version, but the, it's pretty much the same concept colors and, you know, um, mm -hmm. from 2017. But what happened was when I was like, okay, I need, I need packaging. I need a company to help me with packaging and I need a graphic designer to help. Um, right. I was, um, given a list of businesses, potential businesses, and I called a few of them and I started learning and understanding the world of packaging. And it can be very overwhelming and very confusing because there's different types of packaging and the price point literally can go from one extreme to the other. And um, so I, I called one company and 
I didn't realize until I, I worked with them. They helped me get my first round of bags. Then we went to get a second round of bags. And when I got the second round of bags, the coloring was all messed up. Like my teal looked like it was baby blue. It was messy. And oh so then I wanted to return it and deal with, you know, okay. And I, for that first year, I was thinking the people I were I was working with, they were the printing company. And I come to find out they were a broker that worked with different printing companies. And then there was a particular printing company that they used for my business because they could do digital or they could do, you know, it was a lot less expensive than if it was a company that was using plates and then you're committed and you have to buy like hundreds of thousands of bags. I only need 10,000 bags to start. I don't need a hundred thousand bags, but right. it was this very educational experience for me, learning and understanding the whole packaging world, because when that all happened and I was not getting the results that I needed and they weren't making things right the way they should have been, I then kind of decided, I'm like, I didn't realize you, you're a middleman. So then I started researching and finding packaging companies. And by that point, I had already been learning and understanding the different terminology. So then mm -hmm. I knew what I was looking for and just started, I literally found our current packaging company from a connection on LinkedIn that got me connected with someone else that they knew that is in Illinois. And um, so anyway, it, it's just, it's amazing when you, uh, when you're starting your business to not be afraid to sometimes just go to the top, just go like, I mean, sometimes it's helpful. Like it was helpful to have that little stepping stone, but I think when you can figure it out and do it on your own, you will save time and money and get better results because then I'm like, okay, now they're dealing with me, the owner, and I'm dealing with that owner and we're on the same page. And, and the pricing was also significantly less by not having that middleman for me. Right. Absolutely. And that makes perfect sense. And so I love the, the points that you're making about networking mm -hmm. and taking advantage of each experience, learning from each experience and knowing the time to cut the cord, basically, mm -hmm. from having to go to this middleman, but, you know, using them for learning opportunities or learning moments, you know, to, to learn what you need to know so that you can right. cut them out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, exactly. and then go directly to the top to get what you need for less in, in exactly. a short amount of time. Exactly. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it all serves a purpose. It absolutely does. And it's just wisdom to know when is the right time. And I, I love that you're a, a praying woman, uh, totally relied on God for all of it because he, God is of course the source of, of the, everything that we need, whether it's wisdom, knowledge, people, <laughs> you know, all of the things. He totally is uh, so amazing. You and I, I can relate to your story so well. I mean, you and I have been through a lot of the same experiences and yes. uh, even though we're in completely different fields, as a business owner, as a woman, having to yes. make hard choices, having to be brave, yes. <laughs> to have conversations with people that you think are up here and way above you and, you know, getting over the imposter syndrome and like, or getting yeah. over, you know, this idea that, oh, maybe I'm, I'm supposed to just be talking to the middleman. I'm not supposed to talk to the, 
higher up guy, you know, right. all of the getting over all of that, putting, you know, stripping all of that just away. Right. Look, you're the boss. You right. know? And exactly. The boss, you've got to be the boss. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. That's exactly. Well, a couple of thoughts with our topic being about, you know, turning the passion into profit. So I was reflecting on that and think, and it was the, so some of the thoughts that actually came to me and I'm like, okay, I've been doing this a while. I've talked about passion and profit and all that, what it means. How do you know if it's your thing or not? Should you do it? All that kind of stuff. And one of the things that it hit me the other day, just, and I'm like, I had to write this down. I was like, is that sometimes you have to keep working elsewhere or do temporary work to pay your bills while you're turning your passion into profit. And that like, it's like, I I was living it and doing it, but it didn't really, until I was preparing for our podcast, it was like, it's not just immediate, just because if you have a passion, go for it. I mean, follow your gut, follow, you know, what, whatever fills your spirit, fills your heart, fills your mind. If it comes to you in prayer or whatever, but know that you may not be able to, just because you have the passion to do it, it's not going to be instantaneously profitable. And making sure that you're still doing whatever you need to do to pay the bills and to get the business going and making sure you also, though, have a backup plan when your passion isn't profitable. Like, so what are you doing if it's not yet profitable while you're turning it into profit? I think those are just big things to keep in mind when, you know which you get excited. I get ex- I'm still excited. I get all excited about all the possibilities and opportunities and the potential and my long-term goals and my short-term goal and kind of stuff. But I still need to make sure I can pay the mortgage and keep the lights on and food on the deck. I still need to make sure I'm taking care of those things for my right. family. If you don't have a family for yourself. Um, right. So while you're turning your passion into profit, I think those are things people sometimes forget and just feel like, and, and sometimes it can take years. Like, that's the other thing is this is not for the faint hearted. When you're going to go after a passion, you just have to recognize and know and understand that following passions, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. That's really the best way to say it. Exactly. I I couldn't agree more. It it does take time. It also, you know, takes faith. (laughs) It also uh, takes, you know, like you said, having a plan, a plan and a backup plan, that's just being responsible uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that while you are living out your purpose and living out your dreams, that you are still being responsible with the resources that you're given um, along the way. You know, it is, I, I love how you, you made that point that mm-hmm. it, that is, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't go after your dreams. It just means that along the way of you achieving your dreams, that you still take these responsible steps to right. ensure that your livelihood is maintained and your family is supported or you are supported um, right. as you know, an individual and you're not, not uh, being a burden to right. anyone else while you're trying to achieve your dream. Does that make right. sense? Oh like yeah, absolutely. It's like you don't want to be taken away from somebody parents. else's dream. Right. right. <laughs> well, well, sometimes people will like, will like live with their parents or, you know, uh, whatever and not go and work a full-time job or whatever while they're pursuing their passion. And, and because they're pursuing their passion, they're, they're being a burden to their parents when they shouldn't right. be. Right. I mean, I'm not talking about grownups. No, not- <laughs> no right. No, but, but I understand what you're saying. Just to exactly that, every one of us has within us 
something that inspires us, drives us, gives us passion, gives us motivate, whatever that might be. And whatever it is that you have, if to your point is it's like, just because it's what you have, it may not be with someone else. They may not be in that same lane with you. And it's not that they don't support you, but they're just in a different place. They have their own dreams, their own motive. Like they have their own stuff. And so right. when you go and move your lane into someone else's lane, and they didn't ask you to come into their lane. They didn't invite you. You just kind of showed up in their lane. Now, somebody might say, hey, absolutely. Let me jump into your lane or come on over to my lane. I'm happy to be part of your dream too. But to assume that parents or for somebody, grown children or even best friends or a significant other, anybody, I think, you know, just being sensitive to that is important when it's your passion. Because just because, you know, it's not that they're not supportive. They just don't feel it like you do. Right. Exactly. Your pat, your passion isn't necessarily their passion. And so right. just being understanding and respectful of that and, um, and being okay with that, not taking it personal. That's, I think a big, that's a key thing is sometimes those that are closest to us, if they don't seem to be having that same level of passion or excitement as we do, I think sometimes we can take it personal, like, okay, what, you know, they, like there's something wrong with me or something wrong with my product or my idea, like what, and it has nothing to do with any of that. I guess feeling secure enough with your own passion and not being dependent on what other people think or feel about your passion. Um, because right. I think if you allow that to happen, then, you know, i not to pass judgment, but then it's like, then you question, well, how strong is that passion? If you can be that easily swayed or easily discouraged, then maybe this is really going to be a hobby. It's not going to really turn into a business. I'll use this analogy where I'm like, I feel like a Clydesdale or some days I need to be like a Clydesdale. I got to put those side blinders on and just yes. look straight ahead. I cannot try to look to the right or the left. I just have to look straight ahead and keep moving forward. That's all I can do. Put one foot in front of the other and move forward. Because if I try to look right or left, I'm going to fall or I'm going to trip or I'm going to get that outside noise, like trying to keep that outside noise out of your head, I think is critical when you are starting a business because there's so many, you, you just, you really have to get some thick skin and have a good, strong spine and know that with every, and I know this seems repetitive for people that if you watch Shark Tank or motivational people, they always say the whole idea of it's like, you know, you learn from your failures and your successes. And it's true though. It is. It's like, but when you're living it, you don't understand it. You can't really, you can't connect. Like, why is this happening? Recognizing and knowing that, okay, this might really stink, but what am I going to get out of it? Or what, you know, the big lesson, like, okay, that didn't work. I mean, I've had quite a few through the years. Fortunately, none have been too over the top majorly. I mean, I've heard some doozies that other people have had, and I don't feel like I've had too many doozies. Or if I have, here's the thing is, if I've had some doozies, maybe comparatively for other people, then I go, well, that was a doozy. And maybe I have had some, but it's how you handle them or how you bounce back from them or what you do with it. Like taking that situation and be like, okay. I can't crawl under a rock and, you know, I'm just going to have to plow through it and just find another path to take now, I guess. Exactly. And and that's part of business ownership. And, mm -hmm. and I love that, like you mentioned, there's going to be juices. How are you going to handle it? How mm -hmm. are you going to recover from mm -hmm. this? Duty? And you can't, like you said, you can't crawl under a rock. You've got mm -hmm. to face it head on. You've got mm -hmm. to get advice, talk to other business people who've, who've been where you've been or mm -hmm. been where you want to go and, and, or 
uh, do some research, whatever it takes, but you can't mm-hmm. let it stop you if it's your passion and if it's something you really firmly believe that the world needs. You right. Know, you exactly. have to have a strong enough why to keep going yes. and to keep moving forward. That seems to be the theme for the day is just keep moving forward. Put on those yes. blinders and just keep moving yes. forward. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and what you just said, I think is, is, you know, just having that, having your why being like, it really needs to be an unwavering why. And, and it's going to get challenged. That's the thing is it, I think our whys, we get tested, we get challenged. It's like, oh, golly. Okay. Why? You know, and I, not too long ago had a similar, that kind of a situation where I thought someone was going to buy the business and then it didn't work out. And then, you know, and you kind of take your foot off the brake and you're thinking, okay, it's going to go this way. And now it's not going that way. And I didn't do, and I was thinking I was going to have a different outcome. And now I'm not going to have that. It was almost like I had to check in with myself again. And, and a couple of different people that are business owners themselves were like, Lisa, why did you, you know, they, they kind of were posing back to me again. Like my questions was, why did you start this? Like, what inspired you? What was your motivation? What is your why? And it just, right. it was actually rather emotional for me as I was like thinking and praying, like, I know why I started this and I know why I do it. And I've always had a very helping nature. And I think that's where this probably was rooted from this idea of, you know, I'm helping my kids because I'm a mom, but to find out that I, what I do that just seemed natural to do as a mom is helping all these other people, kids especially, have experiences when they're with other kids. Like it was a game changer where my kids could go to school and take my snacks to school, but people didn't know, like they didn't know it was my snacks. They didn't, but they could sit there and eat them and share them and the other kids ate them and they all thought it was something else. For my kids, it, they felt like this is cool. This is awesome. I get to sit with my friends and we can all share the same snack together. And I'm not sitting on a special, you know, I'm not having to go sit at the special table because they're all, you know, instead I would send in the snack for everybody, whether they had allergies or not, and everybody would enjoy it. And my kids had that moment of feeling like, this is fun. I'm having this, this is what uh-huh. it's supposed, this is how it should feel. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just, it, it's, and continuing to push the why. For me, my bigger why, it's like, this is where I'm at now. But when I think of, we talked, mentioned earlier about, you know, long-term goals, short-term goals, things like that. With your why, having those goals is, I think, key too. Your goals aligning with your why. And so for me, like one of my long-term goals is I would love to see this business become, you know, large enough, profitable, whatever, to where we could truly have money to create like some type of a nonprofit, some type of a fund, something, because as a parent, I know how expensive it is to do allergy testing. I know how expensive it is to get those EpiPens and any other medications. And, you know, there are so many families that they're literally playing Russian roulette with their kids because they can't afford to take, to do those things for their kids. And it's not for lack of love, it's lack of money and resources. Mm-hmm. And so I would love one day to have this business be that business that could be, you know, out there helping communities that way more than just, yeah. Oh yeah, we've got great snacks. You know, your kids can eat our snacks, but Hey, mm-hmm. let me also make sure your kids got an EpiPen. My kids had EpiPens. Your kids need to have EpiPens. You know, your kids yeah. need to have, um, you know, they need to be able to go to that doctor and, and get tested and, you know, make sure they're healthy and safe too. 
Absolutely. That is so noble. I love that. I think that that is fantastic. And I'm going to join with you in prayer for that for you and I your business. That. Uh, I because that. That, that, is, that is fantastic. And, and we need more accessibility to resources mm -hmm. because as you, as you know, things are changing in the world of medical insurance and things like that. And more, more and more things are not being covered. Right. <laughs> it's exactly. like the availability of coverage is just getting less and less and less and you're paying more and more and more for mm -hmm. less. So anyways, I am definitely joining with you, you on that journey and um, I'm just praying for favor over your business. I mean, it is just truly a wonderful service that you're providing, a, a fantastic product that you're providing. And, uh, and, and the fact that the kids get to share it, I, I'll bet everyone wants you to be the class mom, like wherever <laughs> your kids go to school. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. 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 I love it. That's fantastic. I used to be the, the soccer mom and the football mom and the band mom. And yes. <laughs> Yes, so, I've done all those. My kids are all my youngest now. It's like time for my youngest will be 17 next month. So I'm like, my oldest is like, I was seven, we got 17, 20, 23, and 25. Nobody needs a room mom anymore, unfortunately. But it's funny because they're older and they have friends or significant others, whatever. And they'll still come and be like, hey, mom, can I get a few extra bat? Like, my kids are like, sure. Like they're coming at, you know, they're just going to take some snacks to take back to their apartment or give to their right. you know, the office. office. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. They go on vacations. They take my snacks. So, yeah, so they're still, there's, they're still snacking away with my snacks, even though. That's uh, awesome. Well, hey, next time they go on a trip, tell them to leave them with the hotel manager so that the hotel chain can start buying from you. That's exactly. Yes. I love that idea. That's a great idea. We're going to, I'm going to send, you're not only going on vacation, you're going to work for mom too. I'm going to send you a little care package. That's Exactly. They need to take a little PR kit for mom and just kind of right. plug it. Do some, it. Do some, they need to help do some social media for me when they're on the road. <laughs> Right. Yes, okay. Yeah, whatever. Snapchat and TikTok and whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh, and you know what? I just had this vision of your of the kids being at the beach and your snack being in the sand with the beach behind it and then like taking a picture. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's I'm like, I need to do that. I'm like, I'm on campus. I'm trying to think of a beach. We have a lake. I guess I could go find a lake. But I think the, be the beachy thing would probably be a, a better look. But I need to do that. I go back to New York fairly regularly um, to see um, family and friends. And, and my boyfriend lives there. And so, you know, I'm like, I need to I, oh, you know, what? I do take them with me. And I do do some of that. But then it's like hit and miss about taking the social media pictures because I'm there on vacation. I'm there to visit with people. Right. And, but I always, right. I literally have to take, I take like a big, this big Vera Bradley duffel bag with all the, you know, and I'm giving them to the airline stewardesses and I'm giving, I'm like, I do, I'm like, I'm giving them out everywhere I go. 
That's where I'm going with this. I need to like, when we go to the beach, I need to take them and do a beach scene with it for sure. Oh, I love it. I love it. I just saw it so clear. I was like, oh, that, that's the scene right there for that bag. On the beach with in my chair with under my umbrella with my bag of safely delicious snacks while I'm sitting oh, thank here. You. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Lisa, this has yeah. been such a, an educational and inspiring session thank that you. we've just thank had you. with you. And I truly just appreciate all the wisdom and all the nuggets that you've shared with us along your journey. And just know that whatever you've been through wasn't for nothing because you now have a testimony of how you made it through and that we can do it too. There's nothing that can happen that's too big or too hard for God, right. number one, to, to get right. out of and for us to learn a lesson from and so that we can share with other people so that they don't have to make the same mistakes. So they, they, they it, the road, the journey doesn't have to be as hard for them because right. of what we went through. And I just thank you so much for your uh, transparency, your vulnerability, sharing all the, the things that, that you had to go through on this journey to get where you are today, this hugely successful businesswoman uh, with these amazing snacks. Um, I'm just so proud of you and Thank I'm you. so for you and just wish you nothing but the absolute best in the future. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. It's been an honor and a privilege and I, I'm most appreciative of it. So thank you for this opportunity. And I, I've loved spending this time with you and, and getting to know you as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Lisa, you were made for something great. So go and be awesome. Thank you. So we're here. <laughs>